Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. For Thursday, October the 6th, I'm your host, Victor Menashe. On today's show, we're taking a look at the inflation index that's being used to determine interest rate policy. We live in a strange time right now where the Fed considers economic growth to be against their objective of taming inflation. What's normally good is bad, and what's bad is good. It's an upside-down world at the moment. The largest component of the core CPI metric that the Federal Reserve uses to measure inflation is housing. It accounts for 40% of the metric. On tomorrow's show, we're going to look deeper into the housing component of the core CPI metric. On today's show, we're going to look at the healthcare component, which makes up about 11% of the core CPI metric. Now, healthcare makes up about 19.7% of the economy in the United States, but somehow it's only reflected as 11% of core CPI, or a little over 8% of the full consumer price index. Part of the reason for that is that healthcare costs have tended to increase faster than many other segments of the economy. For that reason, there's a widely held belief that weighting in the CPI is reduced in order to reduce the impact of those cost increases on the inflation metrics. But healthcare is difficult to measure. Many people don't access healthcare in a simple way, like you might buy milk at the grocery store. There's a major insurance component in any healthcare discussion. There's also a Medicare and a Medicaid component. But an insurance premium is not the true cost of healthcare. Each year, insurance premiums go up according to some prescribed formula as determined by an underwriter. This is where insurance companies get their revenues, and the only way to gauge the costs is to subtract the costs paid by the insurance companies and look at the retained earnings at the end of the year. This maybe sounds convoluted, and it is. They're measuring the profit earned by insurance companies as a proxy for health care costs. The way the Bureau of Labor and Statistics computes inflation in healthcare is by adding up all of the consumption of health care in the economy and looking at the retained earnings in the health insurance companies. And if the retained earnings wind up on a relative basis compared with the premiums collected, then healthcare costs would have been deemed to have fallen. If retained earnings went down compared with the premiums collected, then the insurance companies would have spent more on health care. That's how they measure inflation, believe it or not. If a patient has a copay component and the insurance company, let's say, pays 80% of the cost and the patient pays 20%, then they would attach the appropriate weighting in the insurance component of the cost. Now, if you're thinking there's a lot of math involved here, you would be correct. Not only that, getting the retained earnings from all the insurance companies is a massive undertaking. Net result is it takes a full nine months for the Bureau of Labor and Statistics to amass those results. The numbers are published in October of each year. In October of 2021, those numbers were for calendar 2020, and the numbers that are about to be published later this month will in fact be for calendar 2021. So why is that significant? If you remember, in both 2020 and 2021, we had a pandemic underway. Insurance companies were continuing to collect insurance premiums. Because of the pandemic, fewer people went to visit the doctor, many elective surgeries were delayed, and some were canceled altogether. So the retained earnings at the insurance companies went way up as they spent far less on health care than they collected in insurance premiums. In 2022, people started going back to the doctor, getting new prescriptions, getting new diagnoses, scheduling elective surgeries, and so on. And that means the retained earnings for health insurance companies will in fact be down in 2022, but that will not appear in the core CPI statistics until October of next year, October of 2023. Now, starting in October of 21, health insurance began rising at about 2.1% a month average, and that pace has persisted through August of this year, and it's likely to do so again in September. On average, 
that has added about 2.4 basis points to the core CPI each month. With the October report, health insurance will go from a 2.1% average to a minus 3.9% average decline. That means that we will start subtracting about 4.5 basis points each month from the core inflation. The increase in retained earnings for 2021 will be published this month in October, and they will appear as though the healthcare costs for the entire month dropped by a lot in October, and that number will hold constant for the next year. According to some of the analysts that I follow, the impact on core CPI of this phantom fall in healthcare costs, as measured by retained earnings, will be a substantial reduction in the core CPI, and you can predict that there will be declarations of victory from congressional politicians from the White House and even the Federal Reserve that the inflation-fighting efforts are working. And by the way, the economy remains strong. The perfect message for an upcoming election. The fact is, nothing measurable happened in the month of October to lower inflation in healthcare. It's a delayed number from 2021 that is just now appearing in the metrics. For those of you who are math geeks, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics website, which helps explain their healthcare methodology. This is yet another example of a financial model which is truly disconnected from the reality on the ground being used to make political and economic decisions that materially affect the daily lives of virtually every citizen in the nation. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.